Come on, will you give Jesus a shout of praise? King of kings, Lord of lords, we worship you. Amen, amen. Thank you, church, who may be seated. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I have no idea. Normally, uh, around this time of the day in New Zealand, it's actually 11 p.m., so I am fast asleep. I'm supposed to be asleep. So normally, it's the pastor's job, whoever's preaching, to keep the people awake, but I need you to keep me awake. Can I get an amen? Can I get an alive? That's great. And thank you so much, Pastors Mark and Kathy. You are absolutely incredible. I value our friendship. And uh, I was introduced to Mark and Kathy in 2017, and we just hit it off. And uh, you know, every time I come back and we just reconnect again, thank you so much. You are blessed with two of the best pastors. I genuinely mean that. The entire planet. So come on, give them a big clap. And um, absolutely awesome to be here. I hope you can understand my accent. I'm originally from New Zealand. I live in New, Zeal uh, New Zealand, moved to New Zealand 25 years ago. My name is Boyd. I've got a Sri Lankan accent mixed with New Zealand. I also have a twin brother called Lloyd. Uh, so have, have fun. How creative is God? Uh, so uh, then I've, I've got, I've, I'm Boyd and I've got a twin called Lloyd. And recently I had a guy who came to our church and he said to me, his name is Royd. So I've, I've, I've met Boyd, Lloyd, Floyd, Royd. If you are an Oid and you are out there, please come and tell me. <laughs> Uh, I've got to have an honest conversation with my parents. How many children did you really have? Uh, but I'm married to Sharon. Uh, There's a photo of my family. Uh, we've been married for 14 years. Last Tuesday, we celebrated our 14th wedding anniversary. And um, over here, that's Joshua. He is our oldest boy. He's our promised child, and he loves God. Uh, he is amazing with um, technology. He loves making movies. He's only nine years old. We encourage him to uh, continue with that path. We're praying that he will make uh, blockbuster movies. I am so excited about retirement that uh, he's going to look after us. And, uh, and this is Jackson over there. Uh, he is three and a half uh, years old. He is in love with Jesus. Uh, last Easter, he, he watched a YouTube clip of Jesus dying on the cross and coming back to life again on the third day. Let me tell you, ever since he watched that program, he's given his heart to the Lord. He is on fire for Jesus. And um, true story, last Sunday before church, I saw him play Xbox. When I walked into our living room, the Xbox wasn't working. He just put a CD into the Xbox. And I heard him say this, in the mighty name of Jesus, work! And it worked. And he said, and then he goes, and then he goes, oh, praise Jesus. <laughs> he goes to daycare. He goes to the kindergarten. And he, and he said to me, Dad, I told him, Jesus is real. Jesus is alive. All the kids said to me, no, Jackson, Jesus is not real. Jesus is not alive. I said to him, what did you, how did you respond to that? He said, Dad, I raised my voice and I said, Jesus is alive. And I said to him, what did the kids say? They all said, okay, Jackson, he is alive. <laughs> oh, that's great. If you have your Bibles, let me encourage you to open them to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. As Pastor Mark mentioned, I love when the congregation respond to God's Word, because the Bible says God's Word is active 
It is alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And one of the reasons why I want you to respond is you've got to keep me awake. Uh, so in the middle of my message, if you want to stand up and shout and shout amen and shout hallelujah, don't try a, ser- a preacher sermon. That's not what I'm trying to say. Uh, but because I want us to be responsive to God's word. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, it says, therefore do not throw away your confidence. Everybody say confidence. confidence. Which has a great reward. I love how another translation puts this verse. It says, don't lose your bold, courageous faith, for you are destined for a great reward. I want to say to everybody at Kensington Temple, at the 11 a.m. service, people watching online, you are destined for a great reward. Can I get an amen? Today I want to speak to us about getting your confidence back. Getting your confidence back. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you are here today. We thank you that you are moving. We thank you that you are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I thank you for every man, woman, and child watching this service online, people gathered in this building. Holy Spirit, we don't want entertainment. We need an encounter. We need a now word. God, I pray that you will shift this place and this place as we come together with expectation. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. Many years ago, I remember reading about an unusual robbery that took place uh, in, in America uh, at, a, at, a, at a department store by a bunch of thieves in the middle of the night. The thieves stayed there all night and they got away Uh, undetected. But here's the interesting thing about this robbery. Nothing was stolen. Not one single thing. No money was removed from the shop. No merchandise was stolen. Nothing was taken. The police reported, uh, reported this robbery as an unusual robbery. I mean, if they didn't take anything, what in the world did they do all night? Well, this is a disclaimer before I tell you what they did. Please do not try this. Do not try this at home. What did they do all night? These clever pranksters, what they did was they repriced everything in the shop. (laughs) They took the price tag, uh, let's say a $400 price tag off a digital camera and placed it on a $5 pencil box and took $10 off uh, a paperback book and placed it on a digital camera. They repriced everything in the store. The next day, the store opened, the customers came in and shopped like crazy. The employees had no idea what had happened the night before. For hours, the store functioned under the new pricing. Let me tell you, all the Sri Lankans, all the Indians rang their friends and family and said, you've got to come and shop here today because there is a sale. All of Sri Lanka, all of India showed up and they shopped like crazy. For a long time, nobody noticed that something was amiss, but this this, this department store lost a lot of money that day. Let me tell you, as I read that story, I really believe this is so applicable to all of us when it comes to our God-given confidence. God puts confidence in all of us by saying, you are more than a conqueror. 
You're called to be the head and, and not the tail. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are an overcomer. You are a champion of God. You are called. You, you are chosen. You're anointed. And you come to church on a Sunday. Your, your faith is stirred up. Then on Monday morning, just like the thieves, the story, and the story, the thieves, you know, the, the enemy would quietly sneak in while no one is watching, and he will try and replace our God-given confidence with condemnation. Anyone know what I'm talking about? He will try to cheapen in our minds what God has told us, therefore removing our confidence. The enemy knows if he can't destroy us, he can distract us by stealing our God-given confidence. Let me tell you, when he works that way, he's got control over us. And today I want to say to anybody here in this building, maybe you've lost your confidence. I really believe that God brought you to church for a reason. I pray that as you walk out of this building, you will have a God-given confidence. I'm praying for an encounter with God, that you will have a God-given confidence. Why is this important? Because I love what God said to Joshua. He said, Joshua, Moses is dead. Be bold, be strong, be courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. Today, God wants to say the exact same thing to people in this room. Be bold, be strong, be courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. I want you to think about this for a moment. You're running with the Olympic torch. You're running as fast as you can, and, and, and then you get halfway through, and there was a gust of wind, and the flame's gone off. You don't go, actually, I'm running in record time. Look at this. I'm running as fast as I can. It doesn't matter if the flame's gone off. I'll continue to run and take the torch from point A to point B. The goal is not to get there as fast as you can. The goal is to protect the flame. Let me tell you this. God will light a fire in you, in me, but it's our job to protect the flame. There's a battle going on for your flame. There's a battle going on for my flame. There's a battle going on for our flame. Let me tell you, it's not about running as fast as we could. It's about protecting the flame. It's not about speed. It's about protecting the flame. Everything around you will say, run fast, do this, do that, do this more, do that more. Can I tell you, God is saying to you, protect the flame. Protect the flame. Do you know where confidence is built? Confidence is not built on the platform. Confidence is not built in front of a crowd. Confidence is built in the secret place. When you come and you meet with God, and that's why Jesus said in John 15, verses 4 to 5, remain in me and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. That's why... It's important to stay connected to God and to keep the flame alive. Why? Because you are only as good as your relationship with God. Maybe you're here today and you feel like, boy, I had it and I lost it. Today, God wants, to, God wants you to rediscover the power of confidence. 
I pray that God would light that fire again. Reignite your confidence. Listen to this carefully. Failure is only final when you refuse to get back up. I pray that there are people here today, maybe you feel like you've gone down. I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll get back up on your feet. And if all it means is taking one step forward, guess what? You are one step forward in the right direction, going towards the journey that God has called you. He who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He's faithful to complete it. So very quickly, I want us to look at four things that can cause you to lose your confidence. If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's the first one, number one, voices of doubt. Voices of doubt, it's on the screen. I call this the dream buster. The reality is once you establish a dream for your life, there will be all kinds of things that will stop you from fulfilling your God-given destiny. When you step out for God, guess what? Expect opposition. We think everybody's going to go, wow, that's such a great idea. We're on board. There are times you step out for God, there will be opposition. There will be pushback. Things such as criticism, culture, media, competition, even the devil himself, these dream busters will try and put doubt into our minds. You know, I was thinking about this in the first service. Imagine Noah building the ark day in, day out. Voices of doubt every single day. I mean, imagine being Noah's neighbor. Starts this building project day in, day out. Noah, Noah's got voices of doubt from his friends, family, from everyone. How did Noah do it? Listen to this carefully. Noah listened to the voice of God, not the voices of doubt. Why is this important? Because you are not who, what others say you are. You are who God says you are. There were voices of doubt constantly. He listened to the voice of God and not the voice of doubt. It's the same for all of us. I like this. Noah looked like a fool until it started raining. I love this about Noah. He never stopped to explain to people about what he was building. No, he focused on what he was doing and let the rain do the talking. There are people that will say to you, why are you going to church? Why are you following Jesus? Why are you giving to the building project? Why are you doing this? Why are you serving Jesus? Can I encourage you? You keep following Jesus. Let the fruit speak for itself. Voices of doubt. See, often doubt leads to excuses. We start doubting and we start excusing. We come up with all the excuses. I can't do this because I'm this. I can't do that because I'm that. I can't sing, I can't speak, I can't be on the platform. I don't have that personality. We come up with all the excuses. Do you realize that you're gonna be amazed when you get to heaven and see all the people God uses? I mean, look at the people God used in the Bible. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper and denied Christ. David had an affair and tried to cover it up with murder. Noah got drunk. Elisha was suicidal. Jonah ran away from God. Paul was a murderer. Timothy had too many ulcers. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossiper. I mean, you wouldn't go to her for a prayer request. Everybody will find out. <laughs> Martha was a warrior. 
Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Rahab was a prostitute. I love this. Isaiah preached naked for three years. I am so glad they didn't have live streaming back then. Imagine, you put the service on. Oh, pastor, what's going on? But anyway, don't dwell on that too long. John the Baptist ate bugs. Jeremiah was too emotional. Moses stuttered. Zacchaeus was too short. Abraham was too old. Lazarus was dead. <laughs> I heard someone say this. Our God specializes in picking up a nobody to become somebody in front of everybody without asking anybody. What am I trying to say? God is not looking for superstars. He's looking for willing hearts. Hold on to the promises of God. If he said it, he will do it. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? If God said it, he will do it. Number two, the second cause, discouraging delays. Discouraging delays. Pay attention to your confidence when you're in a delayed season. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not get tired of doing what is right. For after a while, everybody say after a while. For after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. It says, for after a while. That's the most difficult part of that verse. How long is after a while? You might probably be sitting there wondering, when is this sermon coming to finish? After a while. After a while we will reach the goal. After a while, we'll fulfill our destiny. After a while, we'll accomplish our dreams. I have found that delays build character. Just because there is a delay doesn't mean that God is not at work. He is at work in every season. Just because I cannot see it with my eyes doesn't mean that God is not at work. He is always at work discouraging delays. As I mentioned before that I'm originally from Sri Lanka, lived there for the first 17 years of my life, and I remember when I was about 15 years, my parents decided to, to move to the UK. I had two of my brothers who were living uh, in the United Kingdom, and so we, I remember going to the British Embassy in Colombo in Sri Lanka, and we made an application to move uh, to, to London. That's where my brothers were living. And I'll never forget, a couple of days later, we were asked to come to the embassy. And the immigration officer said these words to my father, to my mother, and to my twin. We are declining your application. And he said these words, you will never go to the United Kingdom. The first service was a lot more compassionate. They were, they were like, oh no, and they, 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 were, they were weeping. They were weeping. <laughs> and I'll never forget when we went home, I was so discouraged as a 15-year-old. My parents said to us a couple of days later, hey, we need to reapply, because we felt that was the will of God. And I remember getting in a tuk-tuk. I don't know if you know what a tuk-tuk is. It's one of those little three wheels, and, and, and the guy that was driving the tuk-tuk, he was driving to the embassy as fast as he could, and we reminded him to slow down, because we wanted to go to England, not heaven, not here. So <laughs> would you mind slowing down? We were two minutes late. 
The security guard closed the door. That was God's way of saying, wrong door. But we were so discouraged, so discouraged. A few years later, we moved to New Zealand, and, and I met my wife, and I get to do what I get to do right now. But here's the interesting thing. That guy, that immigration officer, bless him, I hope he's watching online. <laughs> he said these words, you'll never go to the United Kingdom. Guess what, 2013, since then, I've been coming to the U United Kingdom. Today, I am here in London. What am I trying to say? Every time, every time I arrive at the Heathrow Airport, I just want to say to him, I wonder where he is. Look who is here. Look who is here. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. When he said, you will never go to the United Kingdom, God was taking notes. On the 7th of May, boy's gonna be preaching at Kensington Temple at the 11 a.m. service. Our God specializes in opening doors that no man can close. And he closes doors that no man can open. I really believe there are people here today, you are trying to open the wrong door. You're frustrated. You're angry. You're like, God, open it. There's a reason why it's closed. Sometimes we need to thank God for keeping doors closed. That's the wrong door. But he wants to open the right door. Discouraged. Discouraging delays. Listen to this carefully. You can't force him. You can't speed him. You trust his timing. Trust his timing. God delays have a purpose. God's delays are not an indication of his absence, rather an invitation to trust him more deeply. There is a season of delay for a reason. Joseph, there was delay. God had to remove him and take him away somewhere, shape him and bring him back. And here, his brothers were on their knees. They were like, Joseph, is that you? I really feel in my spirit there are people here today, God's going to take you out of certain environments. He's going to take you away. He's going to shape you, mold you, build you, reshape you, repackage you, and He will bring you back right in front of the very people who wrote you off. And they're going to look at you and go, wow, Mark. Is that you? Tommy, is that you? Can I tell you, you can boldly declare what was intended to harm me. God will turn it around for good. Discouraging delays. Can I tell you, there are times we get impatient with God's timing because we have a deadline. Lazarus was dead in the tomb for four days. Jesus was late. That is bad pastoral care. If Jesus was an Elam pastor in New Zealand, I would have sacked him. He was late. Do you realize that he was four days late? Four days dead is not dead in God's eyes. Jesus is like, I've got divine strategy. Some of you around, you know, some of you here today, people around you are like, give up, give up, give up. God's saying, no, hold on to the promises of God. Hold on to the promises of God. Number three, detours. I don't know about you, but I hate detours. We, we, all, we all like shortcuts. We want it to get there as soon as we can. 
Shortcuts will help our reach go faster. So we're like, let's take all the shortcuts. I mean, look at Abraham and Sarah. She was 80 years old. God gave them a promise, and they're like, time's ticking. Where's the baby? Sarah says, Abraham, let's make it happen. Let's get our maid servant. Let's have a baby through her. She's like, God's taking too long, so I'll make it happen. Can I tell you? That caused a lot of heartache and pain. Shortcuts never work. They are short-sighted. They never give us the full picture. God doesn't value speed. He values doing it right. I remember when I finished school, I came on church staff straight away. I was only 20 years old at the time. I mean, I showed up to work at the church. My first job at the church was basically to put all the chairs out for Sunday services. There were 850 chairs. Every Saturday, I would put it out. And then on Sunday, I was part of the worship team. 20 years old, just in love with Jesus, wanted to serve God. And people would say to me, Boyd, we see you here all the time. What's your title? I was like, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, everybody here has got a title. The senior pastor, this worship pastor, this youth pastor. I mean, even the cleaner has a title. <laughs> I don't have a title. So I asked the pastor, hey, everybody in the life of our church are very concerned. They're all asking. It's only three people. Uh, you know, <laughs> everybody. You know how many people come say, everybody. Oh, wow. So I was like, you know, they're very concerned. They, they want to know what I do. They, they want to know my title. If you don't give, them, give me a title, there could be a church split. And I'm really, really, really concerned. He was like, didn't say anything, he just walked away. So people used to ask me, what do you do around here? What's your, what's your, what's your title? I came up with a title. I call myself the chairman of the church. <laughs> All of a sudden, people who never wanted to talk to me wanted to talk to me. 20 years old, a leadership gift on your life. You're the, you're the chairman of the church. One wise person said to me, what does the chairman do? I said, well, the chairman brings the chairs out. <laughs> 10 rows, 18 chairs, another 100 chairs over here, and another 200 chairs over here. They were like, this boy needs help. <laughs> but here's the thing. When I was setting out the chairs every Saturday, when no one was there, I would stand at the pulpit, pretend to be the pastor. I tell you, that church heard sermons they've never heard before. I would say, I see that hand, I see that hand. Can I tell you, nobody saw me, but God was taking notes. God was writing notes. Can I encourage you? You serve God not for the applause of man. You do it for an audience of one. Work, at workplace, you may be like, everybody's getting ahead. They're being promoted. What about me? I want to say to you, promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. Promotion comes from the Lord. He is at work in you now. Here's the last and final point. Doubt, delays, detours. Number four, distractions. Distractions, if I could have just the keyboard player for a moment, please. Listen to this carefully. If the devil can't destroy you, he will distract you. People ask me, Boyd, what do you do to kind of relax? This is what I do. One of the TV programs I love watching is Air Crash Investigation. Anyone watch that program? Raise your hand. See hands going up everywhere. We just started a new small group at church, the Air Crash Investigation Small Group. Basically, this is a program where a group of investigators find out what caused the plane crash. And I remember one particular episode where 
101 passengers died on flight number 401 Eastern Airlines, all because the pilots were so engaged with the burnt out light bulb that they forgot to fly the plane. 101 people died because they were so busy, so preoccupied with the burnt out light bulb. Do you know how much the light bulb was? $12. That's how the enemy works. He comes, he distracts us. You get offended. You take your eyes off the big picture and he wants you to zone in and you're offended. Do you realize that offense is a trap? Maybe you're like, God didn't answer my prayer. I've been waiting for that door to open and you're putting all your energy, your focus into that door. God is saying to you today, stop being distracted. Stay on mission. Stay on mission. I'm going to look at Samson, one of the greatest people in the Bible that God used in a mighty way. Samson was distracted. What a tragedy. Here he is fighting the Philistines and he's lost his strength. The greatest tragedy that could happen to anyone is to fight and even not to know and not even know the anointing is no longer there. I pray that today God will stir your heart, stir your faith. God is saying to you, hey, I want you to get your confidence back. Get your confidence back. Maybe you're here today and you're like, boy, I had it, but I lost it. Here's the good news. God wants to give it back to you. I want to close with this story. One of my favorite stories. I heard about this lady. She lived next to an atheist. Every morning this lady would wake up, first thing in the morning, she would have a prayer meeting right outside her house. She would pray to God, cry out to God. The atheist used to hate having to wake up to this lady, nonstop pray, prayers. And one of the days, she, she started her prayer meeting as normal. And she said, God, I've run out of money. I need groceries. I need milk. I need eggs. I need bread. I need butter. And she would just call out her grocery list. The atheist was getting really annoyed because it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every morning. She would start out and she was crying out to God and she would give out her grocery list. Friday night, he was at the supermarket and he was like, you know what? I need a sleep in tomorrow. This guy knew the grocery list by heart now. He was like, I mean, that's how much she was praying. So he brought all the items that she needed. And on his way home, he left it outside of her house. And, and he was like, tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and, and not hear her. I'm going to have a sleep. And well, at 7 a.m. Saturday morning, there she was. All he could hear was, God did it. God did it. God did it. God did it. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. He was like, I can't believe this. He went over to her and he said, look, look, look. I just want to let you know. The more he tried to get her attention, she was like, God did it. God did it. God did it. He got so sick of it. He stopped her. And he said, I want to say to you, God didn't do it. 
I heard your prayer all week. I got so sick and tired of it. I went to the grocery store. I bought it all last night and I left it outside of your house. This time, she was more full of faith. She started to say, God did it. God did it. God did it. God did it. And he stopped her and he said, look, God didn't do it. I did it. I did it. And this time she started yelling even louder. God did it. God did it. God did it. And he made the devil pay for it. There are people here today. You lost your confidence. I pray that as you walk out of this building, you can boldly declare, God did it, God did it, God did it. Maybe, maybe it's your health and you've lost your health and the enemy thinks he's, he's won. God wants you to know, by his stripes, you are healed. Maybe you feel like my children are not at church. You have an unsaved family member. Today I pray and I declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. One day you can boldly declare, God did it, God did it, God did it, God did it. I pray over this as a church, your best days are still in front of you. I pray, I mean the service is not, there's no room, I'll send it to Kathy. Where else can you put people? I pray that as you step out as a church, I pray people will look back and say, God did it, God did it, God did it, God did it. Can I tell you, I don't wanna just pray about a move of God. I wanna see it with my own eyes so that people can hear and they can say, only God, only God, only God. In a moment, I'm gonna pray for people as I bring this to a close. If you're here today and you're like, Boyd, I had it, but I lost it. Today, God wants you to get it back. God wants you to get it back while every eye open, every head not bowed. If you're here today and you're like, Boyd, that's me. I want my confidence back. I want to get back up. I want to keep moving. I want to keep moving in the direction that God wants me to. Today, God is saying to you, stand up, step out. Be bold, be courageous for the Lord, your God is with you. You are not who others say you are, you are who God says you are. All blessings.